Now we're going to have a panel. I've asked Matt Tyler, who's one of the younger pastors among us, but has beautiful gray hair, as we talked about last night, to uh, interview, talk to not some of the older, but some of the pastors with the most experience among us. So he's going to now spend time interviewing and asking questions of John Fulmer, uh, David Lawrence, Brian Parks, and Andy Johnson. Good to be with you, old brothers, today. Can you tell me how old you are? I'm 58. Wow. 56. 55. 55, one of the young guys. It's all old to me. Uh, hey guys, tell me, uh, tell me who you are, uh, where you are, like what church you're at, and how long you've been a Christian. Um, I'm uh, Brian Parks. I live in Dubai. I'm the senior pastor of Covenant Hope Church. Uh, I and what was the other question? How? how <laughs> yeah, this is, this is. I am the oldest guy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. How long you've been a Christian? How long I've been a Christian? I've been a Christian for 42 years. Yeah. Uh, John Fulmer, Evangelical Christian Church of Dubai. I've been a believer for 27 years. You must have come in faith quite early, right? 16. You were 16? Yeah. I was 28 years old when I became a believer. David Lawrence. I'm at Erbil Baptist Church in northern Iraq. And I've been a believer since August of 1986. And I'm Andy Johnson. I'm the pastor of Chankaya Baptist Church in Ankara, Turkey. And I've been a Christian for about 35, no, what would it be? I'm 55, 45 years. Great. Guys, I'm, I'm glad to be up here with you guys today. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much going to ask you questions that, that I just think would be helpful to me. And hopefully it'll be helpful to everybody else as well. Uh, John, I'm, I wonder if you could help us. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does it mean to number our days? And why does that lead to, to wisdom? It's what the brothers were talking about on the, the other panel. It, it's the, the salutary effects of remembering death. That um, our days are numbered here. Uh, the time is short. Um, Robert Murray McShane said, hasten unto eternal life. And we're helped when we remember that we only have a limited amount of time and we need to make the most of the opportunities the Lord gives us. So I think that's the sum and substance of it. I'd love for you guys to just consider a bit about your ministry as a whole. Try to think back to some of the early days of your ministry. I'd love to know if, if you can think of anything um, what were concerns or priorities or, or cares that you had early on in your ministry that you now realize maybe just weren't that big of a deal? Yeah, I think, I think at the beginning of ministry, I certainly had aspirations that outstripped my abilities and it took time 
for the Lord to reveal to me that that was true and to strip me of some of that pride and arrogance, and which is still a work I think he's doing in me. I pray he's still doing it in me. Um, I had, yeah, I had, you know, I think about Eugene talking about a, kind of a typical maybe Singaporean practice of having your life planned out. He kind of mentioned the couple that says, well, in this many years we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And, and I had that. I had that actually written down on a piece of paper. I think I have it in a file somewhere uh, of what I was going to do and what I was going to, who I was going to be. Um, and thankfully the Lord didn't let that happen. So, I think in student ministry, I was always trying to think of how to be maybe contextual uh, in in ministry to reach that generation. And the church was always important, but it wasn't. I, I don't know. It, it it had that importance, but it wasn't the most important. Uh, part of, of being in ministry, and that was certainly something that coming here actually transformed when we were at ECCD and uh, realized uh, we need a healthy church. Uh, and that's when really the, the understanding of what are we shooting for, that that understanding of the church as, 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 um, as, as highly important. Uh, became uh, part of our lives, uh, and and so I, I would say that's that's one of the things that's definitely grown uh, over the years, and has also proved to be the thing uh, that has uh, provided staying power. Um, so I, I loved. I can't remember who who said. Uh, well, I mean, the last point in on Instock, you know, that without the church, um, really we are we're out of the fight. We, we need the church. Yeah, well, on kind of to that point there, you, you guys spend uh, your days shepherding people. Uh, who, who shepherds you? Give us, give us names of people that, that you can think of that have been good shepherds to you, and, and what have those relationships looked like? Um, can I answer the previous question first, though? Yeah, please. Um, you, you asked what were the early anxieties that we had and, and how do we relate to them now? And as these guys were talking, I was remembering to the early days when I was with Brian and David at what was then UCCD. And I, one of my early concerns was that I was going to be fired or that, that, that the reform of the church was going to grind to a halt, that it was going to be reversed, that it would be un, unsuccessful. And uh, looking back on that now, I, I realized that much of my concern, much of my anxiety was beside the point because God was sovereign over all of it. You know, he had his purposes. He uses our meager efforts, and those are not insignificant. But, but ultimately, it's only the Lord who can reform a church. And, and uh, going through that process really raised my confidence in the Lord's willingness to do that. As for um, guys who, what was the second question? Uh, got people who have shepherded you. Yeah, uh, I would lo- I'd love to hear names, even if we don't know them. Um, yeah. 
but then also what those relationships look like. The main brothers are here in the room. It's Ben, it's Richard, it's John, it's the other elders of my church. So um, we, are, we oversee one another in the oversight of this church. I also benefit greatly from guys like Josh and Aubrey and Anand and, you know, when I'm in trouble, I've got so many friends to reach out to. What, what a blessing we have here in the UAE. So we praise God for that, and I'm a beneficiary of that. For me, it'd be the same thing. Two other elders, Corey Shepard and Scott Belsley, they're elders at our church. And I know some guys maybe in churches that don't yet have other elders, but I think if you do have elders, those really need to be the guys that you're regularly confessing sin to, talking about how you're doing with your family, um, yeah, I think there's even a danger in having like other pastor friends if those are the main guys you rely on because they don't like see how you treated your wife when y'all had a fight right before church on Sunday morning or when one of your kids acted up during the service and you're embarrassed and you snapped at them afterwards. So the, the guys that are going to see you regularly and that seem to be spiritually mature, you know, I think should be the guys you're most relying on to be shepherded by. And if you don't have that, cobble together the best stuff you can and pray and pray for the day you do, I guess. I would say the same. Uh, Andre and Joe Carroll, uh, Joseph Matthew, to a little bit lesser degree because uh, I don't get to see him as often. Um, and So, yeah, those are the main guys. And then I do have some other folks. Uh, my wife is, is somebody that is, is highly important uh, to my spiritual walk. Um, so, uh, yeah, they have some other voices, Max Dials still. Yeah. Uh, would, this is a pretty personal question, but would one or two of you be willing to share about a time in ministry where you were just quite discouraged, maybe even to the point of giving up on the ministry, but the Lord had, tell us how the Lord brought you through that. But this may twist your question, and partly this is the way my personality is. I don't think I've ever been hugely discouraged when I've thought about giving up being in full-time ministry, because I really think one of the things that's helped me to persevere in ministry is knowing that I don't have to. Like, I, I need to persevere as a Christian, but I don't need to be in, like, full-time ministry. I don't need to be an elder at a church. You know, I need to be a Christian. But there have been a couple of times in my life, a uh, couple, about three years ago, some, you know, my wife had some really serious health issues, and her mother was dying, and then my mother was dying. And there was a point at which I was like, you know, if much more happens, we just are going to need to go back to the States and take care of stuff. You know? And I don't think that was hugely discouraging to me, because I, I don't feel like I have to be a pastor of a church. And I think if you feel like you just have to be a pastor of a church, you really should quit quickly, just for your soul's sake. Because... Because then, like, something's going to happen, you know, sin you're going to hide, other things, or you're going to keep serving even when you're not serving the church. So I think one of the best things is just realizing you don't have to be a pastor. Like, it's not like being a Roman Catholic priest where there's some kind of indelible mark on your soul. It's just something we do when it serves the church. And if it doesn't serve our families or something's happened, uh, you know, there have been a couple of times when, you know, it's, it's not fun to think about doing something different, but... You know, I've never thought of giving up being a Christian, you know, and uh, that's what I pray for perseverance in. And uh, whether I get paid by a church or whether I'm doing this or not, that's deeply secondary. 
And I think that helps me get past difficult times because I don't feel trapped. So, Yeah, that, that's really helpful. I'd love to hear any other ways that you guys have battled uh, discouragements in ministry. I think that's one really good one. Other, other ways you guys battle discouragement? Uh, having gone through a, a long and sometimes difficult church reform at ECCD, uh, I remember some dark days early on um, during the reform of the church when I was trying to implement changes. I was trying to cultivate elder leadership that was biblically qualified and would be pulling in the same direction as me. There was some resistance and skepticism from the leadership. And for a while there, I was, I was blocked from um, identifying, promoting um, guys who I thought were qualified. And it, it seemed to be sort of the, uh, to put the brakes on the transformation of the church. And there was nothing that I could do because I, I, the, the, the cards were stacked against me. And all that I could do was pray. So um, I would walk around my neighborhood in Almantaza complex and plead with the Lord that he would raise up leaders in the church. And um, the Lord brought Richard and Guisha to us. And uh, the Lord opened doors for uh, a couple other guys to join us. And slowly, as the years passed, the composition of the leadership and the elder board changed. So what I saw was that God is sovereign in ministry and cares about his bride. So that's one that comes to mind. And, you know, how comforting, how amazing it is that the Lord intervenes and answers those kinds of prayers. I think um, uh, of a couple of times, uh, towards the end of my 24 years in campus ministry, which uh, ended about 2015, um, I think those last couple years or so, I, I felt like I wasn't being effective on campus. I felt like uh, the work felt stale to me. I felt unfruitful in it, and that was frustrating. Um, and I think I needed, I needed other people speaking. Max Stiles spoke to me and said, Brian, you need to plant a church. And so... At that point in time, I think I needed something that, I, that scared me. Uh, I needed to do something that scared me, and student ministry didn't scare me at that point in time. It would have been helpful if it did. Um, other times, uh, I think being in the midst of kind of conflict uh, is really wearying, and that can cause dis- has to cause discouragement for me. And I think the way out of that has been um, forgiveness, to forgive the people around me, um, and to do my best to reconcile uh, with the people around me, and to also recognize that running away from that situation, there were times when I wanted to just like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, But Many of those times, I kind of, I would come to the conclusion, you know, I think I'm better, I think we're better together. I think we're better together, working together, despite our conflicts. So let's work through that, because we're, the, the synergy of us working together is, is pleasing, I think, to the Lord. So stick it out for that.
one of the things you mentioned, something that, that you're scared of, planting a church. One of the things that scares me when I look at uh, 1 Timothy 3, you know, I'm a, I'm a father of a, a young family, uh, toddlers, and I, I look at the, the need to lead them well and to manage my own household well, uh, and I just realize, you know, I'm at the very beginning stages of that, and I'm not even sure I know how to do that very well. I'd love any counsel from you guys. How have you sought to manage your family well? How have you taught obedience to your children? Uh, things like that. I think one is to, to realize that they are your nearest and dearest disciples. God put them not only in your flock, he put them in your house. And, and so you have to attend to those first, your wife first, and then, and then those children um, that, that he gives you. And so that, that's a big part of it. So what does discipleship look like? Uh, that's what you do with your children and your, and, and with your spouse. Um, and so they, they have to, to be that, that first engagement. Uh, and, and then, and then everything hopefully will flow, uh, around that and through that. And oftentimes they, they end up becoming both catalysts for ministry as well as a means of, of ministry as as they bring you into relationships that you wouldn't have otherwise and as your life whether it's uh, the positive things you've done or things you've done well or even your mistakes and your sin become ministry opportunities as well both within the family and as you as you are talking with folks in your church All of you guys have pretty much raised most of your kids out of the home, so I'm kind of in between. I have, a, I have an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 14-year-old, so, so haven't quite launched them all out. But, uh, but I do think one of, my, one of my big concerns that I'm still working on right now is just you know, making sure that I'm shepherding my children well, but making sure that I don't make them hate the church, you know, so... You know, trying to run that balance, I think everybody has to do in your parenting of, you know, I have expectations for them, like, you have to show up at church on Sunday with me whether you want to or not, but do you have to be a part of the youth group if you're not regenerate and you don't really want to? Well, in my case, it's like, no, you, you don't, I don't, trying to balance, like, having expectation, I think it's really easy if you're in pastoral ministry to feel kind of like your, your children are a prop for your ministry and they need to, like, help maintain your picture of perfection. And like, you know, letting my kids who may not be Christians not be Christians and expecting that they obey me with, you know, sufficient respect and they're not subject to a charge of being like, you know, crazy and disorderly, but, but not expecting them to sort of behave in a particular way is something I'm still working on. I don't know how you guys that have like, in one sense, finished the having kids at home thing, how you guys thought through that. But I... I feel like that's one of my most, you know, my most very low standards. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, at the most basic level, I just don't want my kids to hate Jesus because I was a pastor. And so I want to think very carefully about that. How did you guys think about that? Actually, we, we've learned that when the kids leave the home, the ministry doesn't stop. So it kind of accelerates. Yeah. Um, for us... Parenting was humbling. In fact, Carrie and I vowed never to lead a parenting seminar. So, 
There's no need to invite us to those. <laughs> um, but the fact is, our kids, uh, our kids love the church, and we praise God for that. So, so our oldest is attending Onan's church and absolutely loves that congregation. Our second girl is a member of Capitol Hill Baptist, where I came to faith, and Carrie and I got married. And our youngest son is at Aaron Menikoff's church in Atlanta, Georgia, and thriving there and a candidate for membership. So we give praise to God for that, and we recognize it's all of grace. That's all that there is to be said about it. Having said that, we, we endeavored to have the gospel front and center and to be a family that was regularly in the Word. I'll never forget when my oldest left and went to the University of Texas, um, you know, other side of the world, absolutely heartbreaking experience. Um, but the one thing that I, I thought of was um, we knew that we had, we had invested in her scripturally. And, and I often thought, you know, as sad as I am with her leaving, imagine how devastated I would feel if I, if I had not done the job of, of in, investing in her biblically in that kind of way. Yeah, I, I was just back in the U.S. for three weeks and talking with lots of missions pastors. And um, I think uh, it was very humbling to, to hear how many people have children who are not walking with the Lord. Uh, sobering. Uh, at the same time, I know that many of those people are godly people. Probably did a lot right in their parenting and... Yeah, I don't know. What do we say? <laughs> what do we do? I, I, I'm grateful, like John, that our kids love the church and aren't, I mean, two of them are at Capitol Hill with Chloe. Um, one of them is uh, in my church. His, her husband works with me, Mark. And uh, yeah, so I do remember uh, the youngest. Um, she was in the youth group and she loved the youth group, but I wasn't sure she was a believer. Uh, and so speaking to her and making sure that she had the freedom to tell me, uh, you know, I remember asking her when she was in high school last few years, you know, so Emma, what do you, what do you think about following Jesus? You know, are you, have you decided to follow him? Maybe she had a couple years before I, you know, she took better sermon notes than I did. Um, so giving her, and she would, yeah, she said, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm ready yet. So and we, that started a great conversation that lasted over a year or two. And then at the first cross conference, she gave her life to Christ. So just giving them space to make their own decision about following Christ. You, you stay, staying with it, talking to them about it. Trusting the Lord, praying. Yeah. And, and I think, lastly, I would just say, I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is to love our wives well, if you're a man, um, to uh, just the security that children have and that demonstration of the gospel in, in a loving marriage is critical. One of the traits that I most respect about my in-laws uh, is that they've, they've just made a commitment to enjoy every stage of life. Um, and so for, for you guys, as you've said goodbye to your children, as they've gone off to college, um, as you guys are, are uh, you know, getting older uh, and all that, whatever happens when that happens, um, 
how how are you guys seeking to enjoy you know this stage of your life and, and really any any stage the various stages of your life how, how have you been seeking to, to do that well people ask what is the best stage of, of your children's life and I would say the current one uh, I loved them when they were little babies I loved them when they were toddlers teenager was the best time and uh, until this time and now it's even better because now they're having babies themselves. And so uh, it's every stage is absolutely enjoyable. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, so it didn't, it's not without difficulty. I mean, there were times where it was really difficult. I mean, as Brian's talking about Emma, I mean, my son in his last year of high school here, uh, we thought he had become a Christian. And when I was asking him about baptism, uh, he said, well, I'm actually thinking about atheism. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave baptism aside for a little while, and, and let's, let's, uh, let's press into this. And, and so we did. We, we pressed into it. And I let, he, he wrestled with that for about nine months, mm-hmm. and it was heart-wrenching. But uh, then to see you know, him come to faith. Uh, so I guess that in, in one way... Or down there, that was probably one of the more enjoyable times, uh, just to to go through that process with him, and to see him come to faith in Christ, and then and then have the joy to baptize him uh, later on. Carrie and I want to be empty nesters, but we can't seem to quite get there. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm like David. I, I love each stage. Each one gets better. So we're thankful for that. Good. Uh, well, I'm supposed to cut the panel short because of time, uh, but I would love it if you guys would, um, you know, I'm, I'm a 33-year-old pastor. Okay, you guys are 50-something. Uh, what, what's a final word that you'd have for a, a guy like me uh, just kind of starting out in pastoral ministry? You, got, you have one sentence to encourage me. What's it going to be? Uh, think of it as a long race. And in a long race, I'm a runner. Uh, and uh, I've, I've run one marathon, the Dubai Marathon. And, uh, this is a run on sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two, two th- okay, one sentence. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. John <laughs> Pace yourself for the long race. There you go. That's good. Thank you. I would, I would uh, say it's uh, Hebrews 12, uh, you know, where he says, uh, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh, because if you're looking anywhere else, uh, it, you, you won't. You might not do well. Uh, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will. Gosh, I'm like a one-trick pony. This is the one idea I had for this panel, so I'll just keep talking about it. But I think, I think just being like more committed to being a Christian than a pastor, just watching your life and doctrine, not so you can be a pastor, but so you can just prosper in your own soul as a Christian, whatever you end up doing. That was really good, John Owen. <laughs> so, brother, knowing where you are in Bangkok, and uh, just an extraordinary city, um, many obstacles in front of you, 
I would just want to urge you to be confident in the unstoppable power of, of the gospel and the, the irresistible advance of the kingdom of God and the privilege that you have to be a part of it. So attend to the means of grace, trust God, continue praying, minister the word as clearly as you can. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I've looked up to all of you guys for a long time. Thankful for the counsel you gave today as well as other times we've been able to chat. So thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah.